Good morning, Glory City and um, others who are joining us this morning. Uh, it's so nice to be seeing you, or you're seeing me, and I wish I could be seeing you. Uh, so this is a bit different for me. This is not normally what I stand. I don't normally stand behind a pulpit. I normally stand behind a guitar. So um, this is kind of new ground for me, guys. So uh, journey with me. <laughs> but I feel like I have something that the Lord wants to speak. He's been speaking to me over these past couple of weeks. And um, so I'm looking forward to sharing that with you this morning. Yeah. So <laughs> Liam's looking forward to it too. <laughs> so... Um, I just, over these last couple of weeks, I've been having a bit of a journey with Jesus as he's brought something up in me that I know I've had to um, have a conversation with him about, I guess. So it started um, a few weeks back where I, I had a couple of instances where, um, just on like social media and stuff, I'd had a couple of Christian leaders and people that I really, really respect and um, kind of role models for me in many ways, I guess. Just a couple of their posts and things that they'd been putting on social media had been um, talking about almost like a change of positioning that they're putting themselves, like a, a return to going back to really pure gospel and reverence and a pursuit of holiness. And I realised I had a really strange response to that. Um, it brought up a little whisper of fear deep in my spirit. And I, and I had this question come at me, is it not okay for me to have this great freedom and joy that I live and walk in right now when I'm in his presence? And do I have to go back to how I used to be? Because... Um, there was a, I had a past of not having this great freedom and joy. So um, I felt that little whisper of fear came in and it made me go, oh, I don't think this is what Jesus wants right now that I'm listening to fear. But I realised that I had to find out what this was and where this came from. So I was saying to Jesus, what is this, Lord? Where did this come from? And he reminded me of um, how things used to be with me and Jesus right back at the start of my Christian walk with him. So my early relationship with Jesus was really tied up with a lot of um, fear and shame. Um, so I remember thinking um, God's actually a bit scary and I knew he loved me but my coming into his presence, my relationship with him, I came with a lot of baggage that changed how I saw him that corrupted my vision of his very nature. And the root of it was, is that I didn't know my identity in him and I didn't think I was worthy to come into his presence. So I had um, some strong memories that I feel the Holy Spirit was sharing with me, reminding me of, of um, times where I came into his presence. There was um, when we were growing up, sort of as I was an older teenager um, with my sisters and a few friends, we were um, around... Uh, the time of like the whole Toronto blessing thing where God was moving in huge power and people were gathering and meeting throughout Melbourne and the world really um, to experience this outpouring of his power and I remember going to one of these meetings 
and um, going up forward for prayer. And I, I was just seeing people being prayed for everywhere and huge moves of the spirit and, you know, people um, falling down and miraculous and wonderful things happening. But, and I remember coming up to prayer and someone was praying for me and I felt the power of God came. And I remember the thing that I said right then in my heart to Jesus was, I am so scared. And um, I hadn't remembered that until God really brought that up with me just recently when I had this little whisper of fear um, coming back to me. So I, I, early on in my Christian life, I had this um, little fear deep in me that I'm not good enough, I'm not doing enough for him, I'm not really worthy to come into his presence. So I knew that that wasn't right and I knew that I needed to sort of deal with this with Jesus. And so then it was just probably a week after that where I'd been sort of thinking and praying and talking with the Lord about this stuff that I was uh, going through my like sort of little daily devotional thing that I've been doing, which um, is a brilliant one, an old one of Bill Johnson's. I've actually done it all before. And so I'm at the wrong date. You know, I just sort of pick it up wherever. And so it was out of God's kindness that even though it wasn't the right date, the date of the morning Bible verse that I was reading and the little reflection that Bill Johnson had put in there, um, was titled and he had this key phrase that said he is as holy as he is good and when I heard that it was like the Holy Spirit went like hit me in my heart and it was like I could breathe I went ah oh, right okay so he is holy he is kind of scary but his holiness is as big as his goodness. So for me, that was like a light bulb moment in my heart and my spirit and it opened up a conversation that I wanted to learn about how then do I come with confidence into the presence of this holy, holy God. Um, so really, yeah, a bit of a quest to understand what is this holiness. So today I'm going to be talking a little bit about holiness and how we do come before a God who is so holy and so pure. Um, he is as holy as he is good and he is as good as he is holy. They're both as big as each other. So the meaning of being holy is to be set apart. So when he says, um, you are set apart for me, you are holy, be holy. And so being set apart, being other than, being unique to every earthly or worldly thing. And so holiness is the state of being holy. So God's holiness in the Bible is describing his goodness and his power. And he says um, in the Bible, be holy because I am holy. So being holy is much more than being good or just upholding morals. His holiness is a powerful force that is so overwhelming, it can be dangerous. Um, I, as I was researching this kind of holiness and holiness in the Bible, um, I came across some great resources. So I've got some of the analogies and metaphors that I saw in there because it really spoke to me. So one thing um, that made a whole lot of sense to me is that God's holiness can be compared to um, the sun. So the sun is bright and powerful and radiates and it's really good to be within the sun's energy and um, we grow within the sun's energy. But the sun can be so powerful that it can be dangerous when you get too close. We see that especially in the Old Testament um, with the priests when they're having to come into the temple where God's presence would dwell in the temple. Um, the priests had to be morally and ritually pure. 
there was a danger, a life-threatening danger, if they came into God's presence without that purity there. And I remember reading somewhere that they would go in sometimes with a rope tied around their ankles so that if they actually died, they could be dragged out again, the body could be dragged out. Um, his presence was so powerful um, that that can happen when the impure comes into his pure presence. I wanted to just read a little bit about what was involved in having to make yourself pure um, back in those days before we had Jesus. Um, back in the Old Testament, whenever a human was trying to come into the presence of God, um, there was so much to be done to make yourself worthy and able to live and breathe and exist in that holy, holy fire. Um, so I want to read a little bit from the Day of Atonement, which was a very special day, a very special ritual um, that happened once a year, uh, that the Lord gave Moses specific, really, really clear specific instructions as to what Aaron had to do before he could come into his presence. So I've printed it all out and I won't read it all because it, it is super, super long. But uh, I wanted to print it all out just to get a sense of uh, what had to be done before he could come into God's presence. So I'll read this first little bit. The Lord spoke to Moses. This is uh, chapter 16 of, I can't remember which book. <laughs> it's called the Day of Atonement. Um, the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. So that first sentence tells us, we approach the Lord, there's a risk of death. Um, the Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark or else he will die for I will appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. So he gave very clear and detailed instructions. This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He has to bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He has to put on some sacred special clothes, a tunic. Um, he has to wash those clothes and bathe himself in a certain way. He has to take goats for sin and a ram for burnt offering. He has to offer a bull for his own sin um, and a goat that's going to be a scapegoat. It goes on and on and on. He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the tablets of the covenant law so that he will not die. There had to be the, the smoke shielding him from the very presence of the Lord. It goes on and on and on. Uh, it's pages and pages. And as I was thinking about this, I thought this would take so long. It would, I don't know if this takes days to prepare yourself and the animals and every ritual step that you need to take to enable yourself to come before this holy God. Um, I was struck with the detail that God gave the people and, and how much had to be done to be able to come into the place of holiness, in the holy of holies, where his presence dwelt in the temple. So, uh, yeah, we're thankful that that is not the case now. When I was younger, um, I think I worked really hard at being ritually pure. Um, I worked hard at holiness. And I know it came from a really sincere heart and devotion because I loved him and I, and I wanted to be right before him. But I also know that it got a little mixed up with fear and legalism and religion. Um, so I had really, really strong and strict ideas about things like um, 
uh, drinking, like, so this is a late teenager, early 20s, like drinking alcohol and dating and who you would date and um, there were such high standards and no compromise in this area and uh, I remember just feeling like, um, you know, unless God revealed to me in a dream that this is the person I'm going to marry, there would be no dates, there would be nothing. Um, thankfully, God was so very kind that that's actually what he did as I met Simon. So that's awesome and another story for another time. But, um, I, and I'm thankful that, that in some ways I had these really high standards of I want to keep myself holy and pure for God. Um, and possibly there was less mess and clean up that has had to happen along the way because of that. But I also recognise that in that there was a little mix-up in how I come to God and there was a lot of um, working and striving, a bit of legalism, a bit of fear, um, and it really messed up a little bit how I saw myself as I came before him in his presence. Um, so, uh, yeah, so in the Old Testament, we talked about how they needed to become so pure before they were able to come into God's presence. And we see that again with Moses um, when, with the burning bush. Uh, so the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. So I can only imagine that if he had come closer and had not taken off his sandals, then the holiness of God would have burnt him up because he was so very good. The power was so pure, burning, radiating. He could not have survived in that place. Uh, and then God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So he had a sense of, of this power, this holy, holy God. Again, we see it um, in Isaiah when um, Isaiah comes into the temple. Hang on, I shouldn't just paraphrase it. I should probably read it. I will paraphrase it a little bit. So Isaiah was kind of unclean and he came into the temple and he had this vision. He saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet and with two, they were flying and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And this is the amazing part. Um, so Isaiah cries out, woe to me. I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He had a sense. He was not pure. He'd come into the presence of this pure and holy God. And he kind of saw that he was, it was the end for him. He couldn't survive. But then one of the seraphim flew to him with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So it was like the holiness of God was present in this live coal as it touched Isaiah's lips. And with that, it took away his impurity. Um, so I just want to read that sentence again. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. That sentence sounds really familiar to me. 
Like we've heard someone else say that as well. So normally in the Old Testament, when you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. So this time in the coal, God's holiness transferred its purity to Isaiah. In Ezekiel, we see um, another, another beautiful imagery of the holiness of God. So Ezekiel had a dream. Um, Ezekiel 47, I've got the Bible verse for you now, um, where he had a dream where he saw coming from the temple where God's presence was, first a trickle of water and then it, the water rose and it became um, a stronger flow coming out of the temple and flowing out until it was a river pouring from the temple. And I'm going to read from Ezekiel 47 verse 12. But the river itself on both banks will grow fruit trees of all kinds. Their leaves won't wither. The fruit won't fail. Every month they'll bear fresh fruit because the river from the sanctuary flows to them. And their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Oh, how beautiful is that? So flowing from the temple comes this river of God's holiness that is bringing life to everything that is going past and touching and then we see in the Bible um, the new thing that happens with God's holiness in the New Testament, Jesus. Jesus becomes the embodiment of God's holiness. And just like that beautiful river flowing out from um, the temple in Ezekiel's dream and vision, Jesus is bringing life to everything he touches. He's bringing healing to the sick. He's bringing life to the dead. He's bringing joy to the brokenhearted. So God's holiness is again purifying things that are impure and broken. He's casting out demons, bringing things back to life. And again, we see the holiness reaching out and touching the impure. And instead of the impurity coming on to, the whole, to, to this being, the holiness from Jesus is coming and making what is impure be pure again. He is transferring them to them and transforming them. So we see this beautiful picture where Jesus is now become the temple. So the holiness of God is flowing from the temple, bringing life, bringing healing, purifying everything it touches and goes past. And not only that, Jesus and his followers become God's temple. And Jesus describes his followers as you, you have streams of living water flowing out of you. So that is you and I. We are now the temple, just like in Ezekiel's vision, we are the temple that has a river of life flowing out of it, bringing purity and healing and restoration to every broken thing it touches. So in the last uh, book of our Bible, we see that um, kind of picture of God's holiness coming together in John's vision, where the whole world becomes God's temple, where Ezekiel's river is removing all impurity and bringing everything back to life. So God's holiness is a powerful force, is a gift to heal a broken and impure world. And it does reside in us now. So I want to go back to where I started with realising that I had some fear that had come into me about coming into the presence of a holy God. Am I good enough? Can I, can, am I worthy to be here? And I um, realised that that fear is really tied up with shame and punishment and a lack of knowing who I am, lack of knowing my identity. And ironically, if you're in that cycle of, 
um, I don't know who I am and my value and, and how, I, how loved I am by this God, then I'm reluctant to come into his presence, which is the very place we need to be to find out who we are and how loved we are and what he's done for us. So if you are stuck in that cycle, grab someone to pray with you if it's over Zoom or if it's someone in your household to say, I'm recognising that I've got that fear in me that says I don't think I'm quite worthy and that's tied up with shame and punishment. But the fear that I think we do need to have and retain in us is a fear that is to do with reverence, that is to do with honouring this holy and powerful God who we serve and who we come into his presence. So how do we feel when we become before him? Is he all good or is he all holy? I'm reminded when I look at these two sides of God's, per, of God's character of, um, for those of you who are Narnia lovers, I am a Narnia lover, um, Aslan. Aslan was not a tame lion. And as a kid, that kind of worried me a little bit. I was like, oh, but I love Aslan, but he's not a tame lion. He's a little bit scary as well. Um, but it's not wrong to have a little bit of fear and trembling in you when you approach the one whose eyes burn like fire and whose face shines like the radiant sun. In Ezekiel, it says, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. Of course we come with fear and trembling, but we do not come with fear and shame and punishment. Um, yeah, we come to him with fear and trembling, but we are not afraid. He is as holy as he is good. As, as he is good. So if, you, if you've come with a strong understanding and belief, oh, God is good, I know he's good. We also have to know, and I know, as good as he is, he is that holy. He wants us to come into the holy of holies. In the Old Testament, he made it so clear to the people, he gave them such clear instructions. I want you to come into my holy of holies. I want you to be made pure. This is how you do it. And in the New Testament, he came up with the best plan, the better plan, which was Jesus. So I just want to read this part of Hebrews um, because it just has been blowing my mind. Um, as I read through the comparison of what it was for the people of Israel to be able to dwell even near the temple, let alone come into the Holy of Holies, what they had to do to make themselves pure so that they could come before this holy God. And now God came up with a better plan. So I'm going to read this. Uh, this is in Hebrews chapter 9. Uh, but when the Messiah arrived, high priest of the superior things of this new covenant, he bypassed the old tent and its trappings in this created world and went straight into heaven's tent, the true holy place, once and for all. He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood, instead using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. If that animal blood and the other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and behaviour, think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives inside and out. Through the Spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can live all out for God. And this part, chapter 16 and 17. Like a will that takes effect when someone dies, the new covenant was put into action at Jesus' death. 
I just have to stop there for a minute because I had such a major revelation when I read this. This is like at the death of Jesus, when someone dies, there is a reading of the will to see who are the benefactors, who inherits. Guys, we are the benefactors. We inherit. We are the heirs. And look at this spectacular, amazing thing we inherit. Look at the list of things written out on this will. It blows my mind. It should blow your mind too. So his death marked the transition from the old plan to the new one, cancelling the old obligations. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to spend days and hours with ritual and sacrifice and special rules to get into your presence. Um, and summoning the heirs to receive the eternal inheritance that was promised them. He brought together God and his people in this new way. Thank you, Jesus, for the new covenant. Thank you, Jesus, that we do not uh, have to make ourselves pure to come into this, to this holy, holy God's presence. But instead, we have the holiness of God living in us. We have streams of living water flowing from us. We have the capacity within us to touch things that are impure and make them pure because we have the holiness of God. Um, yeah. Have you ever been in his holy fire so much where you felt that you could almost die? Um, I feel like I have. <laughs> I've been in a place where the holiness of God um, has come with such heaviness and such power. There was, I have a really strong memory as I was writing this. Um, when I was, a, again, probably 19 or 20, I had um, a friend over and she, was, she was sleeping over for the night. So she was on a mattress in the floor, uh, on the floor in my room and it was dark and we were talking and we were talking about Jesus. And then um, it, it was like his presence fell and we were literally shaking in our beds. And I had this sense of... Um, if he comes anymore right now, we might actually die. We might actually die. And we both, we were saying to each other, I feel like if I open my eyes, we started praying. I said, I feel like if, my, if we open our eyes, we're going to see him in the room. That's what it felt like. And his presence came and it was so intense. And then he kind of lifted a little bit. But that um, marked me and it made me go, I... I love that place. <laughs> I want to be in that place where I am so shaken because I am in the presence of a holy and powerful king. Um, and at that moment, I had no fear, but I had fear and trembling. I wasn't afraid of him. I knew I, I was worthy of being in his presence, but I, uh, I also felt that if he came much more, I could die. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I, I want that. I want that. I want that power of our Holy King to be flooding in us, in our days, in our day-to-day, -day, in our communities. Um, let's go for that. Um, so we don't make ourselves holy. We have been made holy. But we choose to remain and to walk out our lives in holiness. We are still called to holiness, to live holy lives. In 2 Corinthians it says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. In the Old Testament, one of the ritually pure things that the priests had to avoid was really touching anything that was associated with death. 
When I read that, that really struck me as well because they lived in a culture and a time where there was a lot of death and people were killing animals for food and there was um, probably diseases in the streets and different kinds of death that they were exposed to that we're not necessarily exposed to in our clean, snazzy Western worlds in this day and age. But I was reminded that um, for each of us, there were probably things that uh, are not life-giving that we might be contacting and spending a lot of time with. And I think that's something that maybe the Holy Spirit can be reminding you, actually, this is not a life-giving thing. Why don't you step over here? Because this is, this is bringing you life. This is where my holiness dwells. Um, there's two more verses I wanted to read. In 1 Peter it says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And in Hebrews 12 it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Um, so, do I still have a fear in my heart about coming into the presence of this holy God? As I said, yes, I do. I have fear and trembling, but I have the same fear that is spoken about in the Psalms, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are made with reverence. Um, I don't have a fear that's caught up with shame and punishment and condemnation. Um, I approach his throne with confidence because that's what he tells us to do. Because I know that he's made me holy as he is holy and his river of holiness resides in me. Because I know that out of his great love, he searched for me, he found me, and he loves me with his wraparound love. And in his love, no fear can exist. Because I know his goodness and loving kindness are as great as his burning holiness, his righteousness and power. So what does Jesus want to remind you of today? Do you have fear whispering in your heart about your worthiness to come into his presence and be loved by him? Or on the other side, have we forgotten about this holy fire of a king who, uh, who his goodness is so great that we could potentially um, die in his presence? Have we forgotten who it is that we're serving and become a little bit blasé? I want to remind you today that he is as holy as he is good and he is as good as he is holy. Um, I remember what I was because it reminds me of his goodness in what he has done. So um, I think that's all I want to say today about holiness. I might just pray for us um, as I finish up today. So holy God, holy Father, we just acknowledge that you uh, all that is pure, all that is good and righteousness. We, we come before the one whose eyes blaze with fire and we say, holy, holy, holy God, and we bow before you. And Jesus, we thank you that your holiness lives and resides in us, that you have said we are the ones with streams of living water. We have Ezekiel's river flowing out from us to bring purity and healing to a broken and impure world. So Jesus, we acknowledge that you are good, and you are holy. So God, come and speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us about anything that you want to bring up about the holiness that you are asking for us to walk out in in this day. And we love you and we thank you for who you are. Yeah. Amen.